0: Hello and welcome to week four of the NFL Friday podcast. I'm Chris Banchu. We have a roundtable for you this afternoon, this morning, this evening, whenever we are reaching you. But of course, tonight is Thursday night football, so we hope we catch you before the Jets and Denver Broncos kick off. It is not uh, the sexiest of matchups, doesn't bring the appeal of competitive football, but you have two 0-3 teams, one of them that we will be launching into deep conversation with. To my left is Gino Galella, a special guest on the show. We have Mike Messina with us, and we have Jackson Hile. Let us let me start with you, Jackson. Tonight's game, right off the bat, give me an adjective for this game. I, I, give me an adjective. What What could you use to describe such a garbage game?
1: I think heinous would be the best word I could come up with at the moment, but there's so many other s- synonyms you could use to describe this football game. I mean, well, let's, let's just start with the Jets in general because, I mean, they come out every week. They look lifeless right from the get-go pretty much every game they play. I mean, and it, it doesn't matter who they play, and that's the worst part because you talk about week one, yeah, you got – a guy in Josh Allen who looks like the MVP right now, and you got the Bills, that was always going to be a beatdown. But you come up against a 49ers team that loses half their roster within the first 15 minutes of the game, and you still get your doors blown off. And then you got a Colts team who is pretty good, but this is also a Colts team that lost to the Jaguars week one. And Sam Donald throws a pick six within the first two minutes of the game. He throws another one later in the game. The offense is distraught yet again. Um, th- this is going to be a real ugly affair tonight. And you have a Broncos team that has no I- idea what they're doing at the quarterback position without Drew Locke. I mean, Blake Bortles, they signed earlier this week, but he's not ready to start. Um, And Jeff Driscoll's not getting the nod either. So this is going to be a, a heinous football game to watch. I mean, you look at Monday night, you had two of the best teams in the league in the Ravens and, and the Chiefs. This is not going to look like the same sport. I, I don't know how you could even think it would look like the same sport, but tonight might not resemble a game of football, and I don't know what it's going to resemble, but honestly I'm afraid to for what's about to happen on my television in the next whatever three hours it's going to be. So it, it's going to be ugly, and it's not going to be pleasant, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, look, especially when
0: you when you put it next to Ravens, Chiefs, and you've got a great Ravens team, but the Chiefs just stomped on them, and the Chiefs are that good. The Chiefs are one of the best teams that I've seen come along in a really long time, and uh, that's that's the thing that I get stuck on when I watch a Jets team, and, you know, you look around the league on Sunday and Monday and you see a Seattle team and a Green Bay team, and these guys just – they don't they don't make mistakes. They don't make mistakes like the Jets do. Let's not launch into the uh, the Jets stomping yet because I, I just don't want to do it. Uh, Gina, what do you see in a Broncos team? Uh, I mean, they're not very good either. Is there a chance that the Jets can beat a Broncos team that's got no idea at quarterback?
1: You know, Chris, there's a chance for just about anything in this game, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I could not tell you what is going to happen tonight. Like Jackson said, heinous is the word to describe the game. I, unfortunately, am at a loss of words for what we're going to see tonight. You've got mm-hmm. two terrible offenses, two terrible defenses. God only knows what could happen. The Jets, the only team this season not to hold the lead, playing despicable football, going up against the Broncos, who have John at quarterback. Who knows what is going to happen tonight? Because you watch the Broncos week one. They have Drew Locke on their team, of course. They're putting up a fight with the, with the Titans, team who went to the AFC Championship game last year. You know, you think this team's got a lot of hope. Drew Locke goes down, next thing you know. I mean, they even put up a decent game against the Steelers with Driscoll, but he wasn't getting the job done. They signed Blake Bortles, like Jackson said, but there's not a lot of hope tonight. I couldn't even, unfortunately, give you the pronunciation of who they've got going tonight under under center at home. And um, it's it's going to be gross. It's going to be gross all around. I don't know if it's going to be a lot of points. I don't know if there's going to be no points. It could be 3 nothing. It could be 50-45. to 45. I have no idea what we're going to see tonight, unfortunately.
0: It feels like Mike that they put on Thursday Night Football the two worst teams that the NFL has each week. I mean, it seems to be almost intentional at this point. It used to be like a running joke, and I and I, it's really what I thought it was. Uh, Thursday Night Football Titans and Jaguars back when both those teams were terrible. Now the Titans are pretty good, but uh, they always find a way to to pick the worst game of the week. And uh, you know, not to start the show with such a negativity towards football because we're going to get to our pick 'em segment later and be pretty pumped up for some some awesome matchups. But this is this is a, a game that doesn't inspire much. And I don't want to beat down that point, but
1: uh, is there anything else you could say? I mean, you guys pretty much said everything that could possibly be said. Week one, Broncos with Locke is clearly going to be a completely different game as it was last week, as it's going to be this week against a Jets team who has a terrible defense and a terrible offense. So, But I have a feeling it's going to be a high-scoring game tonight. It's going to be like a 50 48 shootout, like you said. It's going to be – Stop. <laughs> uh, these are the type of games that have high-scoring games like that for no reason. That's how, that's how it always happens. It's going to be, so, it's going to be a very high-scoring game, but it's going to be very boring. It's, they're going to be scoring. It's going to be boring, though, if that's possible. It's boring. It's I'm, I'm all in.
0: They're scoring. It's not boring for me. The Jets, they don't score. They don't barely so – they get, they get in the end zone very rarely. Lowest-scoring team in the National Football League with the offensive mastermind of a head coach – I you know, we'll 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 hold our breath for picks for the pick'em and we'll and we'll let everybody uh we'll let everybody wait. But if you talk about a Jets team and we'll transition into this, I don't know that you could have drawn it up any worse. And you can you can roll back the tape on me and Jackson pre week one previewing the season And I was I was talking about low low win numbers. I was talking about three wins, four wins if you're lucky. They're on that pace. They're genuinely on that pace. Does something kick into this team tonight where because it it, I don't know that it's been this desperate for a long long time. Here's a head coach who is absolutely coaching for his job tonight.
1: I don't I don't doubt that. I've got something to add on that, Chris. I think with a lot of things that I've heard, not to give you even more pessimism in your Jets is that people are saying Adam Gates is coaching for his job tonight. The Jets are going to come out and get a win on Thursday Night Football, and I'm here to put that to bed. I don't know that they're going to lose necessarily, but I think every week you're putting your best 11 out there in the field, you're going to win. You're never trying to win more than you are on a different Sunday. I don't think that's oh, Adam Gates' potential. With
0: that. You disagree with that? I me? mean, I think I, – I definitely think that there are factors of motivation
1: that fluctuate. I, I look at the Jets' team after the first or second quarter, and they're done. They're done. Jersey. It's not interesting to continue watching the game. Like I want to turn it off. It's so but, boring. But more importantly, it's not a. It, they've got talent on that team, but the cleats are
0: tied up and hanging on their shoulders, and that it's an uninspired team. So there are there are definitely coaches who who find a way to get their guys rallied more than others. Adam GaSe isn't that guy. All of a sudden, he's he's got he's got his job on the line. I don't know if that changes things. i I just don't think. I don't think he's smart. I don't think he's a good coach. I think even if he could fire up the
1: guys, I don't think it matters because he doesn't have the X's and O's. But regardless, it's a – I personally think his job should have been on the line for much longer than now. And I think you've been saying that for a while, that Adam Gase is not our guy. You could tell him in the first interview with this man that he was not cut out to be the head coach of the New York football Jets. He was not going to be the guy to put this program and turn it around. So I think his job should have been on the chopping block for a long time. I'm surprised you guys even went through it in this offseason, season, kept him for another year. And I think everybody was pessimistic about the Jets. I don't think there was a single no. Jet fan out there that thought the green and white were going to be great this year and that they were going to come back, which, which should happen when you have what you have a seven-win season last year. Yes, that should sense. happen. You should be optimistic. You should be on an upward curve and you should be going to get a playoff spot after a seven-win season. You're hoping for a playoff spot, but I don't think anybody in New York was thinking that the Jets were going to earn a playoff spot this year. Let me let me get in on this real quick because if Adam Gates is really coaching for his job tonight, which honestly I'm not too convinced of it. Um, which is sad because he should be, and he should have been coaching for his job starting in week one. But if Adam Gase is coaching for his job tonight, if I'm the Jets, I'm coming out and dropping a dud on purpose because like we've talked about with Adam Gase, this man inspires nothing. Um, He's the worst play caller in the NFL by a sizable margin. If I'm Sam Dardold and I know that if we lose this game tonight, Adam Gase is packing his bags, I'm – packing the clothes for him. I'm doing everything I can to make sure this man doesn't coach another game for the New York Jets. And that's honestly how every Jets fan should feel coming tonight, And in my opinion at least. I mean, this is a guy who is single-handedly managing to push Sam Darnold off the curve of a path to stardom in this league. I'm not saying Sam Darnold is going to be a star per se, but everything that Sam Darnold has been presented as a New York Jet since he's gotten here and his now two plus years here, every part of the coaching staff, whether it was Todd Bowles and Jeremy Bates to now Adam Gase and Dowell Loggins, they've done everything they can to make sure that Sam Darnold's been a position to fail. Mm-hmm. And if I'm the Jets tonight and I know Sam, if I know Adam Gase's job's on line, they would never play like this because, Gino, you know, like you said it before, you send your best eleven out every night and you're always playing a win because that's a mindset of a professional athlete and as it should be. But Honestly, if I if I was a player, and this is probably why I'm not – if I knew Adam Gates would get fired tonight, if they lose, I would do everything in my power to make sure that happens. Well, my
0: fear is that because this is the thing that could can him, somehow the Jets are going to pull a miraculous performance and they're going to look good. But everybody knows who the Jets are. If, they, if they're good this week, forget about it. It doesn't matter. I don't know who's coming up for them, but – They'll, they'll lose to the, sec, the next worst team in football. Doesn't doesn't matter. what they. But my, 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 my weird thinking of the world is that somehow they're going to pull out a win just because this is the kind of win that could potentially save Adam Gase's job when he doesn't deserve one because the Jets are not an 0-3 team. They, they are so much worse than that. 0-3 does not do justice to how bad this team has been through three weeks. There is not a good thing to say – about the way this team is playing, not even one. You have, you. So you talk about a young quarterback who's being corrupted, who is being, who is really, it's a sin. It's a sin against a young man who's got a lot of promise in the NFL that he had to walk in to this system with Adam Gase. And and the final thing I'll say is that, you know, the uh, the mask that Gase wears on the sideline, everyone's wearing masks. It's it's so it works so well for him because you don't have to see his stupid smirk that he wears after the team throws a, an interception inside the twenty yard line. I mean, he hides behind that thing. It's so perfect for him, and uh, because he is just he's just half of he's he he's half of what he needs to be. Uh, I I'm, I am so tired. I am so tired, and and just because of that, uh, and I know that especially with the long week. That'll, that'll come around after Thursday night football. This is a perfect time to make a mid-season head coaching change. It's really never a good time. But, look, you get a week and a half to work in a new head coach. But, of course, the Jets, knowing those circumstances, they're going to show up tonight. They'll probably show up based on that.
1: We'll yeah, the- Chris, I agree with that completely. Today – Tonight's the time where the Jets are going to play their best football, maybe not even of this year, of of the last two seasons maybe. Who knows? Just because Adam Gase's job is on the line, which sucks because Jets fans are going to be all up and happy about them winning a game maybe, and then the next seven they're going to be losing. Adam Gase should not be the head coach of this team, and I think we all agree with that, and that's very obvious to anybody watching the game. But the Jets are going to come out and, like, play like they, the team like they should be just because of the circumstances of this game, like you said, and it's kind of sad. And it's unfortunate that Adam Gates is still going to be the head coach after this game if they do win the game, but it's brutal, man. It is brutal. This guy needs to go. Well, just to touch on what you guys have been saying, and you guys know this all too well as some Jets fans in this discussion, is that the Jets constantly win and lose at all the wrong times. They win when they're supposed to lose. They (laughs) lose when they're supposed to win. It's a place talent goes to die, and they never make the most of their situation. Same thing happened last season. You watch the Jets. They look good for a couple of weeks. They come out. They beat the Oakland Raiders, who looked like a playoff team at the time. I remember everybody was so high on this Jets team, and they said, we really got a shot. And then the next week rolls around and they're playing the winless, 0-13, I believe at the time, could be wrong, correct me if I am, Cincinnati Bengals, the winless Cincinnati Bengals, one of the worst teams I've seen in, in years, to be quite frank with you. And they not only lost, but they lost convincingly that game to the winless Cincinnati Bengals. And that's just going back to what you guys are getting at, is that they might just pull out a win tonight. They might just eat one out at the complete wrong time to save Adam Geese's job that he should have never had to begin with, just because they can never time their wins correctly and they always are just doing the wrong thing.
0: Let's move over to the, the Giants. Um, and, you know, I don't know that there's much more good to be said about a Giants team that I, I think uh, there's a little bit more optimism there, but they will get beat down by a San Francisco team that is very beat up and a team that they, you know, should have played better than that. And and I, I know a lot of Giants fans who are optimistic about Daniel Jones, but I don't see – and I'm not seeing something from Daniel Jones – through three games this year, that is uh, that has me excited. He, he looks like right now he's not necessarily – and remember, he's a year behind Sam Darnold. It doesn't look like he's on any kind of track to best Sam Darnold where he is now.
1: I do have some qualms with that, just for the short the small reason that I feel Jets fans for years now, and I think maybe the time has come where you guys stop doing this, is you give Sam Darnold the benefit of the doubt. You say he doesn't have the weapons to make it work. He doesn't right. have the coaching staff to make it work. There comes a point where you have to put the blame on the guy who's not getting it done. But I think Daniel Jones, like you said, a year behind Sam Donald, he doesn't have the pieces. For the year, for half the year, his second season or first season, Saquon was out. Again, now Saquon's out. They have no receivers to throw to. He's got no weapons around him. He's got a bad offensive line. The defense isn't doing much better. And I just think he doesn't have the tools around to make it work. I agree he hasn't looked good. But I think he's shown some promise. He turns the ball over a lot. He has the highest fumble percentage of, I think, any player in football history at the moment. So I think he's got to cut down on some of that stuff. But I think he's got potential. I think he's got similar potential to Sam Donald to be a franchise guy if you surround him with the right pieces. But, again, just two bad systems that are just not getting the job done, and Giants are suffering suffering a similar fate in their own three state. Gino, I'd agree with you to an extent, but I also think that, Daniel Jones does have some decent weapons to work with, and listen, I'm not saying that losing Saquon Barkley, who's probably the best running back in the league, doesn't hurt because it certainly does, but we're talking about a wide receiver core that I look at and I think is actually pretty decent. I mean, Sterling Shepard, when he's on the field, is one of the better slot receivers you have. Same with goes for Golden Tate, too, who has had a pretty excellent career, and listen, he's on the latter half of it, for sure, but... This is a guy who can still play. I mean, Darius Slayton had a great rookie year, and he looks like a decent receiver as well and looks like he's going to be at least something in the NFL. And then on top of that, you have a guy in Evan Ingram, who I think personally is one of the better pass-catching tight ends in the league. He does have drop problems, but he certainly is there. I mean, yes, it's not the best array of options, but compared to what Sam Darnold is dealing with with the Jets, this is nothing to me, honestly. I mean, we're talking about Darnold this week. I mean, his number one target is going to be Braxton Berrios at this point. Um, followed by Chris Herndon, who has been wildly disappointing this year. And listen, I'm, this isn't to say that neither like one is better than the other, because that's not really the point of what I'm saying. like They both don't have great options. But right now, I, I would say Daniel Jones has had some pretty good weapons. And to be honest, he has definitely shown flashes that he can play, for sure. And I definitely agree with you there that not all of the blame deserves to go on him. However, at the same time, I mean, Daniel Jones looked hideous last week for the most part, he looked hideous against the Bears. I, I thought he made some decent throws against the Steelers, but again, just the mistakes he makes are alarming, for sure. And the same could be said about Sam Darnold right now, too. Um, so basically, my point with all this is that, honestly, with the trajectory that the Jets and Giants are going in right now, because it looks like these teams are going to combine for no more than six wins at this point, because that's how bad these teams are. I mean, the Giants play in the NFC, so they might be able to steal a few there, but um, if we get to this point at the end of the season, we're still asking the same questions about Darnold and Daniel Jones, less so Jones because it's year two. But if we're still asking the same questions about these guys and these guys are picking at the top of the draft, Trevor Lawrence has to be a consideration. It, he has to be at this point because that, that's a guy who you look at in college and think this is probably one of the best quarterback prospects since Peyton Manning at this point. And if we're still asking the same questions about these guys come draft time, and they're picking either one or two, listen, I I think the question has to be asked about whether either of these teams needs to move on at the quarterback position. And if I was in the Jets' shoes and I was in potentially Joe Douglas' shoes and I have to make this decision with a new coach coming in, I, I think I'd be possibly willing to move on from Sam Darnold at that point. That's if we're asking the same questions. Obviously a lot can change in 15 games or so. But the, the questions are still being asked right now, and we're in year three of Sam Darnold, and we're in year two of Daniel Jones, and not a lot has changed since year one. Let me pose this question to you guys. If you're if you're an NFL team right now, and you're in a rebuild looking for a quarterback, who are you going with? Are you going with Daniel Jones, or are you going with Sam Darnold?
0: Well, I think uh, just based on the fact that Darnold is a year further along, although they are the same age, it might make the difference. I mean, you have a year more of mediocre football to look at. None of these guys has done anything really above mediocre, if we're being honest. Sometimes when a rookie shows up and he's mediocre, he's managing the offense, that's promising. Because, you know, Peyton Manning showed up, but he was was nothing more than mediocre when he started. That's very common. But Sam Darnold has an extra year under his belt of mediocrity at best. And so maybe just on that, and a couple weeks ago on the podcast – I wasn't willing to trade him for Daniel Jones, but he's looked so bad. I mean, he has looked so bad. And to Gino's point, uh, I don't know how much longer we can go making excuses for the guy or for both guys because, yeah, he's got a bad head coach, the worst of them, the worst that I could think of. Yeah, he's got nobody in the receiving corps. He's got no running back. But how, 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 much, how much longer could I go now with this? I mean, how – At some point, he's got to step up and run the offense.
1: Just to play devil's advocate to both your point and my own point from previous is I think it comes down at the end of the day to belief in your guy. If you want to go out and you're thinking about drafting Trevor Lawrence over whether the Giants or the Jets, whichever one's fighting for the worst record in football and they get that first pick. I think it comes down to belief in your guy because like we said, both of these teams have a plethora of other problems. I, I know the quarterback is going to get a lot of the blame, win or lose, a lot of the glory or a lot of the blame. So of course you're going to think about getting this kid who's this hotshot quarterback out of college. But I think mean, it comes down to the end of the day: do you, do you believe in your guy? Do you believe Sam Donald could be your guy if surrounded with the right pieces? Do you believe Daniel Jones could be your guy? So I think that's what it's going to come down to. Because you could you could plug in another guy who's supposed to be a star, just like Sam Donald was. He was a top pick, and everybody thought he was going to be great. You could plug in a Trevor Lawrence who looks like he's going to be a superstar. But I don't care how good he is. I don't care if he's the best quarterback to ever play the game. He's he's not going to win you games. He's not going to win you a season. He's not going to take you to the playoffs. Maybe he'll get you an extra win or two. There's a plethora of other problems. You need linemen. You need you need receivers. Yeah. You need you need weapons. I think it's hard because you you you
0: know. You, the the Jets did install an offensive line supposedly, and you know I, I just don't know how damaged Sam Donald is. I could so see him having success in another program, finding a head coach. Find somebody's going to snatch him up. I don't know how it's going to happen, but eventually he's going to move on from the Jets, and I could see him having massive success because. This guy, if you watched him in Southern California, he can throw the football. And I've seen him throw the football enough times to know that he can. He's not Mark Sanchez. He's not Geno Smith. He's not one of these clowns who has nothing going. He's got an arm. But he's been damaged by the system. It's amazing to think that in the space of two years for both New York teams, you had the Giants pick up Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, and you had the Jets pick up Jamal Adams – and Sam Darnold at the highest levels of the draft, if you told me that, if you zoomed out and told me from both perspectives, both New York franchises, that you were going to get college talent at that level, at those positions, I I would say, okay, you've got to find, you've got to get winners. You've got to build winners with both of those programs. If you're starting there, how do you not put together win? How do you not put together wins? They're getting worse. They're not only not putting together wins; they're declining. And <laughs> I when think about that. that premise. When you think about, you have the foundation of those two draft picks, and you've, you've you've got two of the best quarterbacks coming out of college in the last five years, the best running back coming out of college on the Giants side that we've seen in ten years, and you know the be- one of the best defensive difference makers that we've seen in a long time. And you're setting both franchises up with that, and you still can't win, and, and you're still looking like two of the worst teams in football. I mean,
1: that's what makes it tough. That's what makes it tough. Chris, look at it this way. Sa- yeah. Saquon Barkley has 34 yards in the first two games of the season. He is the best, arguably the best running back in the NFL. That offensive line is just awful, and Barkley cannot even get – Two, three yards here and there. He is fighting for legitimately every yard he's trying to get. He's not get. He's not able to get those breakout runs that he's used to. He's not able to get those passes a little bit downfield. It is embarrassing to to try and watch him run the ball, and he's just getting shut down as soon as he gets back to the line of scrimmage. Something needs to happen there in order. Well, he's hurt obviously, but in order to get him going like he should be. I've never felt worse for a man than when I watched Week One Monday Night Football. Saquon <laughs> Barkley, one on 11 against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. That man could have broke 10 tackles for no game. It, it was unbelievable. He couldn't – he was smothered. He would touch the – they were taking the handoff in the backfield. They, it was unbelievable. The, the Giants cannot – they just outright can't block. And now without Saquon, I don't, their, their backup running back is next to irrelevant. So, I mean, it's just going to get worse for them. It's dysfunction in New York, guys. Dysfunction dysfunction. It's been
0: a tough, uh, it's been a tough go of sports. You get the Yankees in baseball, I guess, but this city, uh, is, is, is hurting. And, uh, in the sports department, let's, let's get out of New York. Let's go toward, uh, our NFL scoreboard for the weekend. We'll go around, pick them. We'll play our, uh, we'll play our exciting music to, uh, to get the, uh, the juices flowing. And, uh, I guess we're not getting out of the city just yet because we're going to start with Thursday and we are going to pick Broncos and Jets. Um, I'll start us here, Jets Broncos. I am going to take the Denver Broncos despite everything I said. The Jets are really that bad and they are going to
1: lose on Thursday night football tonight. Jackson, I can't believe I'm going to pick the Jets, but I think I am because Chris, you said it before. They win the games they're they're not supposed to win and. This is the exact type of scenario where the Jets find a way to win, Adam Gase keeps his job, and the misery continues in East Rutherford. So that's going to happen tonight. Sam Darnold's going to give us a little hope, and the Jets are going to go to 1-3 and three and possibly never win another game. There is nothing in my body that can possibly get me to pick the New York Jets, so I'm going the Broncos, and that's for obvious reasons. The Jets are an awful football team. The Broncos are also an awful football team, but I think they're coached better, so I, I believe Broncos are coming out of this one. Even though this is a game that – a type of game that the Jets will win, I'm going Broncos all the way. Yeah, despite the possibility that the Jets come out and do everything you said and ruin New York hopes somehow by winning. I didn't even know that was possible. You could ruin your franchise hopes <laughs> by winning. I could see that happening. I'm still going to go Denver Broncos. I think you could sub me in a quarterback, and they have a good shot against the New York football Jets, so I'm, I'm going to go with Denver.
0: Colts-Bears in Chicago, not that the location is so important with empty stadiums, but this one is interesting to me because a Bears team that has overperformed my expectations and everyone's, but a Colts team that I actually think is better than their Week 1 performance. I'm going to take Phillip Rivers and the Indianapolis Colts. I I think the Bears are... A lot worse than 3-0 represents, and I think the Colts may be a bit better than, than, than their record represents.
1: Listen, the Bears are 3-0. and I'm taking them to go to 4-0, too. I think the defense is for real, and the Mitch Trubisky era appears to finally be over. We're going to be able to see what Nick Foles can do in that Matt Nagy offense, and... Even though I am a believer in the Colts, I- I'm actually becoming a believer in the Bears now that they finally feel like they might have the quarterback situation figured out just a little bit. And listen, I'm, that's, I'm not even saying Nick Foles is the answer, but he's the answer by default because he's not Mitchell Trubisky. So I'm going to take the Bears in this one. Yeah, I couldn't have said that better. I'm, I'm riding the Bears. Nick Foles has played phenomenal every time he's been in the game. Won the game last week for him. Won the Super Bowl, obviously, for the Eagles. I'm riding with Nick Foles until he proves me otherwise. Yeah, I'm going to go actually back with Chris, and I'm going to go with the Colts. I think the Bears are a very fake 3-0. I thought it was surprising. I know Mitch hasn't been playing well, but to bench your quarterback when you're 2-0 and was an interesting move to me. I think Nick Foles has a lot of potential, but I'm not going to buy in again because when, at, when El, whenever he's had a starting job, he has not gotten the job done. Only in Philadelphia seems to be the only place where his magic is relevant. So I don't think he's the guy for this franchise to take him to the next level. Another team that he was with was the Jags for a brief moment. They
0: go into Cincinnati with Gardner Minshew who has a little bit of magic, but the Jags are one and two. The Bengals with the tie, they're oh two and one. I really like Joe Burrow. I really do. Um I, I you know, I know there's not a lot around him. And I actually like Gardner Minshew too, but I don't think that the Jaguars uh, have anything going. They were a team that I thought was going to be really bad, so I'm going to stick by that gut feel, and I'm going to take Cincinnati. They're minus three in this game.
1: I'm going to join you on that one. Um, I-, I think Joe Burrow slowly looks like he's figuring out the offense in Cincinnati. and I'm not a believer in the Jacks. I think this could be a really high-scoring game. I mean, the overset at 48-and-a-half right now, I think that could soar over with the quarterback play we're going to see in this game. So I'm going to roll with the Bengals, and I'm going to roll with Joe Burrow getting his first career NFL win. Yeah, I'm hopping on the same bus as you guys. I remember Joe Burrow playing the Browns two weeks ago last week maybe. He had a drive in the end of the game. that was just phenomenal. Every pass he was throwing looked good. He has the arm strength to do really whatever he wants. So I'm riding Joe Burrow. Hopefully he gets get his first NFL win tonight on oh, Sunday. I'm going to play odd man out here. I'm going to take the Jaguars. I love the Bengals. I love everything they're doing right now. I think Joe Burrow is outstanding. He's got a lot of weapons. He's got Boyd. He's got Green. He's got Mixon in the backfield. But their defense is just too bad. And the Jaguars have a pretty, pretty solid. I think their offense is pretty good. They got a week one victory over the Colts, who I think are a legit team. I think Gardner Minshew's just got, got too much in on uh, Sunday for the Bengals. So keep, so keep
0: your eye on that game, because we're, we're, we're sensing high scoring. It could be exciting between two teams that, you know, they're not playoff teams, but... Maybe they can sling the football. Browns at the Cowboys. This one's very interesting. Is it possible that Cleveland has finally showed up and, you know, it was a late ship for them, but I, I kind of feel like they're getting it together. The backfield looks really good. They've got two guys who can run the ball in Chubb and Green Hunt. Um, you know, and defensively, I think they can play. I, I think the Cowboys, They're 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 just so disappointing because they have a ton of talent, but I think the Browns are going to go into Dallas and win that game.
1: I want to take the Browns badly, and and I really do, but I think this is the week the Cowboys finally turn it around. Um, They almost came back against a really good Seahawks team last week. Um, They probably should have won week one against the Rams on the road if it wasn't for a BS pass interference call against Michael Gallup. Um, I like the Browns. I think they are turning the corner, but I I do think the Cowboys get it done in Jerry World this weekend. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the Browns this week. Baker Mayfield really hasn't been playing all that bad, and he kind of plays the game right when he has the right pieces, like the two running backs he has and his receivers, so I'm going with the Browns to to upset Dallas, but to beat Dallas, but even though Dallas did almost come back and win that game against Seattle, which was a very good game, so I'm going with the Browns on this one. I think these are two teams who both have unreal potential and unreal talent, but can't beat good teams. It's going to be interesting to see what they do this week. The Browns—they beat who they're supposed to beat. They go out, they beat the Washington football team. Everybody saw it coming. They beat the Cincinnati, the dilapidated Cincinnati Bengals, and Baker looked like a star. And all the Browns fan gets excited. And I want to buy into them because they have all the pieces on offense. But then you see them go up against a good team. And they collapse. They didn't even put up a fight against the Ravens week one. They scored six points. I think it was thirty-eight to six. When they play a good team, they crumble. I could say the same for the Cowboys, but I think they're more well-rounded. I think Mike McCarthy's an awful head coach, so that's the only reason I give the Browns a slight chance in this one. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Dallas. I think that offense is too potent, and I think the Browns are, are just gonna blow it against a good team.
0: Saints Lions in the NFC. Both teams one and two. Certainly, you could say for New Orleans, a disappointing one and two with what they have. I mean, this, this, this is a team that's too good. At the beginning of the year, I look at them as one of the best teams in the National Football Conference. And they're as good coach as a team, as well coaches as a team, as you have, you know, right there next to the Patriots. I don't imagine that they're going to let this slip much worse. They're going to they're get to 500. They'll beat a pretty bad Lions team.
1: I actually think the lines are better than people think, and I'm taking them this week. Um, they looked good last week on the road against the Cardinals. They were winning by 10-plus against the Packers week one. They, they, they blew double-digit leads in their first two games. And uh, honestly, I think that this team is a lot better than the record says, and I think it's a lot better than what the eye test says so far. Matt Stafford's done a pretty good job. I thought he had a really good week last week, especially in the second half. And I like what they do on offense. They have a lot of different running backs they can use, Adrian Peterson being one specifically. DeAndre Swift can be used in the passing game. I don't think the Saints can stop anyone right now. And with the way Drew Brees is playing, I don't know if they're going to have enough points to score against the Lions. So I'm going to take the Lions at home in this one. Yeah, I I don't think Drew Drew Brees is... Done playing football, yeah. I think he's still one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. And, Jackson, you mentioned the two games that the Lions blew a two-point lead, a two-touchdown lead, which I think that's another game that, that can happen again. Drew Bies can come back from a deficit and can play like the quarterback he used to be, he's used to being. So I'm taking the Saints on this one to beat Detroit. You know, Jackson, I loved everything you said right there, and I'm going to reiterate it. Unfortunately, I'm going to take the Saints by a small margin because I I think they're too well-coached and too well-rounded to fall to 1-3. and But the Saints are not the Saints team we're used to seeing over the years. Ever since they lost to Minnesota in that playoff game, they have not looked the same. Their defense is atrocious. It's atrocious. It's not bad. It's atrocious. They could not stop the Oakland Ra- the Las Vegas Raiders. They could, they could not stop the Green Bay Packers. And they had a, a tough time with the Buccaneers week one. And Drew Brees' arm is shot. He has a noodle arm. All he does is throw checkdowns to Alvin Kamara all game long. He has become Philly Dump's checkdown Charlie. He cannot throw the ball downfield. And this Lions team can put up points. They can put up points with the best of them. They just beat a really good Cardinals team. Like you said, you had a two score lead against the Green Bay Packers. They hold on to those. They're two and one. And then the week one, DeAndre Swift drops a game winning touchdown against the Bears. This team could easily be three and zero if things go a little bit differently. Unfortunately, the Lions are a classic team that can't pull out those close games. So I do think the Saints are going to win it in the end, but I think they are on the fast coupon. So,
0: Gino, low on two brees. and the Saints, that is. That's hot. That comes in hot because this is a team that always finds a way and I'm pretty sure they will, but it's not as hot as watching, I'm telling you. Seahawks in Miami, they get the Dolphins. Dolphins blew out the Jaguars last week. But this is a Seahawks team that's just too good. They're just too good. They're just too good. They have everything working on that team defensively, offensively. Gimme Seattle.
1: Yeah, there's not much to say here. Russell Wilson looks like the MVP of the league right now. Um, Seattle is clicking on all gears on offense. I like Seattle in this one, and I don't think it's going to be all that close either. Yeah, I think it's going to be a blowout. Seattle's taking this. Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in the NFL as of right now, so there's nothing to say that Miami's going to win this game at all. I've never seen a more clutch or steady hand performer than Russell Wilson. I would let him perform open-heart surgery on me if I went down. He's unbelievable in the clutch. (laughs) However, I do think it's going to be closer than you guys are leading on because for some reason, the gnat that is Ryan Fitzpatrick keeps every game close. But I do think that the Seahawks
0: are going to pull out a victory against the here. So all four of us in agreement on Seahawks. Dolphins, Chargers in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay two and one, Chargers one and two with the rookie. I I I, I think uh, this Bucks team with Tom Brady, they're starting to get it together after a week one loss, and uh, I I don't think this game will be particularly close.
1: I think it'll be closer than people think. I don't think the Bucks are as good as people think, but they're also the better team here, and they're playing at home. So I'm gonna take the Bucks in this one. I think Justin Herbert has a decent day, but um, I, I do like the Bucks to take this one. Yeah, I'm with you guys on this one. You're still playing against the GOAT. You're playing Tom Brady. Tom Brady's a way better quarterback, obviously, than Justin Herbert is. The Chargers beat a Panthers, a bad Panthers team last week and that I didn't even know that shouldn't even have happened, but the Bucks are going to blow the Chargers out of the water this week. I think it's going to be at least a three-touchdown game. I, like Jackson, think it's going to be a little bit closer than that. I'm not totally sold on the Buccaneers. I think they have a clean puff schedule. I don't know if you've looked at their schedule, but somehow Tom Brady, I don't know what Dalvi has, always ends up playing the worst teams in football year after year after winning championship upon championship. But that's back to how bad their schedule is. But I don't think the Buccaneers have played anybody that good except the Saints, who I was just saying previously isn't that aren't that good. And um, I think this Chargers team play up to the competition. They played the Kansas City Chiefs in Justin Herbert's debut and almost won that game. They should have won that game. Right. They blew that game in overtime. They should have won that game. So I think Herbert's going to play up to the competition. I think it'll be a close game, but I think Bucks pull it out. Ravens in Washington.
0: This is a Washington team that I somehow think is actually not that bad. But, obviously, Baltimore, after their Monday night, you know, I don't want to call it an embarrassment, but they did not show up to play a Kansas City team that's clearly, you know, that's 1-2 in the AFC, and they just weren't there. So, I, you know, I think John Harbaugh's got him coached up to go into Washington and, and you know, have a convincing victory to spread a fourteen.
1: Yeah, I, I think they cover it, too. I mean, there's a reason that... The Ravens have lost only one game other, under Lamar Jackson against teams other than the Chiefs, and I think that continues clearly in Washington. Um, Washington looked bad at home last week against the Browns, and I, like I said, I, I think that the Ravens probably put up 40 points in this game. Honestly, I don't think it's going to be all that close. I have never been more confident in something I'm about to say than right now, and that is the Ravens are going to win probably by 35 points, at least. This, is, this game is going to be a complete meltdown for Washington, and Lamar Jackson is going to run the ball down their throats, and it is going to be a high-scoring game for the Ravens, and they're going to blow Washington out of the water. Yeah, just to reiterate what you guys said, this game has all the makings for a complete massacre. It's going to be a bloodbath. The Ravens are going to come back, try to assert themselves at the top of the AFC. They're not pleased about how they played on Monday night. And then, as disgusting as it is to say that Washington is tied for the lead, the same the, the division that would be NFC East, in the, the winner of that division is going to have a 5-11 and 11 record. But that's besides the point. I think the Ravens are going to wash the floors with the rest of it. So, all four of us
0: together on Ravens, Washington. Sometimes i like to be different and, you know, cheap, but I, I just I I know can't not I, in that game. I, I just can't. Cardinals, they take a tough loss in week three to Detroit. They go into Carolina, a Carolina team that without Christian McCaffrey, I just don't think he's very good and I think it's a Cardinals team that has shown me a lot of progress. You know, I wish they could get the ground game going a little bit more, but Kyler Murray is pretty dynamic and I do think that they
1: will beat the Panthers this week. I think this is going to be a close one. Um, I I like the Cardinals to win and I really like the Cardinals team as a whole, especially for what they can do on offense, but I, I think the Panthers are a little better than people are giving them credit for. I mean, tough win on the road in in L.A. last week against the Chargers, especially a Chargers team that almost beat the Chiefs the week before, but um, I, I still think that Kyler's going to be a little too much for Carolina this week, so I'll go with the Cardinals. Yeah, I'm going back with Kyler Murray. He is a dog. He can run. He, he can throw. He has the arm strength to do whatever he wants out there. I don't think the Panthers' defense is going to be able to stop that run game by Kyler, and I think it's going to be one of his better games that he's played so far this season, so I'm going with the Cardinals this week. Yeah, like Mike just said, I think the Cardinals' offense is just too good and the Panthers' defense is just too bad. But I do think you guys are underplaying how good the Panthers are. I think their offense is actually very good. They put up almost, almost like averaging, I think, 25 points a game or around that general vicinity. And they put up points with Teddy Bridgewater without McCaffrey. And they went, they almost beat the Raiders in week one, who beat the Saints, who are establishing themselves as a pretty decent football team played a competitive game with the Buccaneers, and just beat the Chargers. So I don't think they're a bad team. I just think the Cardinals are much better. Final game of the
0: 1 o'clock slot, and to me this is one of the most interesting games of the week, maybe the most, is Vikings and Texans. Because you have two 0-3 teams that wanted to be a lot better than 0-3 by this point, but they've each had difficult schedules. I mean, to me, this is a Texans team that's a lot better than 0-3. I know they're good. I know Deshaun Watson can play. So I'm giving them the edge because I'm, I've am i never been on a Kirk Cousins train. I mean, I think the Vikings are due for a win, too, and that's why I think it's interesting because ordinarily, if they weren't playing each other, these are two teams I'd be looking to pick up their first win because 0-4 is 0-4. One of these teams is going to be 0-4. I think it's going to be the Vikings. I think the Texans will win at
1: home. Couldn't agree more, Chris, and the Texans' schedule is brutal coming Texas out of the game. I mean... You gotta play the Chiefs and the Steelers on the road and then you gotta play the Ravens at home. That's as tough as it gets. Um I I agree with you. I as much as I don't like Bill O'Brien, um, I I think the Texans are better than 0-3 and like you said, Kirk Cousins is a dumpster fire at the quarterback position. So I'm I'm rolling with the Texans. Yeah, you guys you guys hit it perfectly. There is no way I'm going with the Vikings. I have Cousins as my backup quarterback on fantasy, and even as I don't even want as a backup anymore, but no one will take him from me. Deshaun Watson, a a, a very good quarterback still, even though they lost Hopkins. Bill O'Brien is terrible, like Jackson just alluded to, but they've had a tough schedule. The Ravens, Chiefs, and Steelers play back-to-back-to-back, so I think they're going to come out hot this weekend and beat Minnesota. Yeah, I'm taking the Texans as well. These are two teams that are underperforming. I, I don't think they should be 0-3 necessarily, but I, the Vikings are a wild card. I think both of these teams are a wild card, honestly. You could get anything with them because the Vikings come out and play a good game against the Packers week one, team that went to the divisional round last year. Then they come out week two against the Colts, and their offense was stagnant What they put up. I think they put up six points. It was a, it was a blowout. It was horrible. Kirk Cousins looked awful. You never know what Kirk you're going to get. He could come out and sling the ball downfield for 400 yards and four touchdowns, and it wouldn't shock me but I, still, I do think the Texans are going to get the best of them. But just one little tidbit on the Texans is the loss of DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, it just shows how big this is. Because you look at the Cardinals now, they're surging. They're, they're looking like one of the best teams in the NFC West, the best division in football. And then the Texans are dropping to 0-3 when they had that division convincingly last year. So I think that's a huge loss.
0: And two teams that were definitely looking to win their respective divisions. It wasn't going to be easy for the Vikings especially, but teams that were looking to be competitive that just aren't right now. Giants in L.A. Uh, that go to that... Unbelievable new stadium. I mean, guys, the Giants are going to have a tough time this week. This is a good, good Rams team. Um, You know, they had a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover after they went. But Sean McVay can can coach the best of them, and they're good on defense. They're good everywhere. The Giants don't have Saquon Barkley. There's just no
1: way. Um, Yeah, I don't think we really need to even go through this. For the rest of us, I, it's Rams, ramps, ramps, Rams. So I, I already wrote it down. It's set in stone. It's got the It's got the Sharpie on it. Let's move
0: on. around. I mean, and I, and you know, again, it's fun being different. But the, this game may give somebody the chance to be different. Pat at Chiefs. This is a Chiefs team that, if you watch them on Monday Night Football, they don't look beatable. But then again, you mentioned a Chargers team that played them okay. And if there's anybody who can beat them, it's Bill Belichick. You know, I'm excited for this game. This is uh, the second 4 o'clock game. Give me, give me New England. Just just pencil me in for New England, and uh, Bill Belichick, is game planning, has been game planning throughout the quarantine, getting ready for the Kansas City Chiefs on this specific day, so I think uh, the Patriots storm into Arrowhead and somehow find a way to beat Patty Mahomes.
1: I think the seven-point line is outrageous, because I, I don't think there's any way that this is more than a two-possession game, either way. Personally, I mean, the Chiefs look terrific against the Ravens last week on the road, but Like you said, Chris, we're talking about Bill Pelichek, and we're talking about a Patriots team that just blew the doors off the Las Vegas Raiders last week, who looked just as impressive going into that one. I like the Chiefs to win the game. I think it's close, though. If you're taking points, I'm taking Patriots plus seven, if you got it. But um, I do think the Chiefs pull this one out, even though it is going to be a tightly contested affair. This is probably the... Um, game I'm most excited for for this week. It's going to be a great game, but I'm going with the Chiefs. Why pick against a team the defending Super Bowl champions who still haven't lost? So I I see no reason to go against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs in this one just because they have not lost a game yet, so I'm going with them. Yeah, like Mike, this is definitely my game of the week. I can't wait to sit down and watch this one. Um, I'm gonna go Kansas City on this one, even though Bill Belichick has witchcraft genie powers and literally can read the mind and hack into the mind of opposing coaches and make them make all the wrong decisions. I think the Chiefs are just too good. They they step up in big games as a thing. I think the best chance you got at the Chiefs losing a game is a sleeper team like those Chargers to come in because so I don't think their defense is that good generally, but in big games this team does not let up. And then you showed that you showed that against Lamar Jackson, whose offense was stagnant for half. So I think this Chiefs team steps up in a big game. They don't want to lose to Bill Belichick. This is one of their only other competitors in the AFC. I think they come out and win on Sunday.
0: Bills at Raiders. This one is interesting for me because it's a Bills team that has played unbelievably well. There is no doubt about it, but I I just don't think they're as good as they have been in the first three weeks. I mean, they're 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 evidently one of the best teams in the American Football Conference. But I also think the Raiders can play. Uh, despite a tough loss in win last week, and I think the Raiders will humble a Buffalo team a little bit, and I do think they will upset the Bills this week because the Bills are due to uh, to, to, to drop a game because they're just not they're not
1: undefeated. It, it they're not that. Good. Chris, I'm, I'm with you on this one. I, I like the Raiders at home. Um, I think this game is John Gruden masterclass written all over it, yeah. and um, you saw the way that this Raiders team responded in the second half against the Saints defensively. Um, I I think adjustments are going to be a big factor in this one, and I can easily see the Bills being up at halftime and the Raiders coming back and winning this game. Um, So I'm going to roll with the Raiders. I do think it's going to be a tight one, and I do think the Bills are going to have a lead in this game, but um, I I like the Raiders, and that's nothing against this Bills team. I think they're the best team in the AFC East right now, but um, I I think, like you said, I, I think they're due to drop one at some point, and Going to Vegas and winning is a tough task, as we saw through New Orleans already. So I'm gonna roll with the Raiders on this one. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stick with the Bills. today. they're undefeated. Josh Allen four touchdowns last game against a good Rams team, but they did almost blow a 21-3 lead. So like Chris said, they're they're not that 3-0 team that should be 3-0. They're expecting a loss here soon, but I don't think it's gonna be. This week against Vegas, I think, is going to be able to pull this one off. But it's going to be a really close game. Yeah, you know, Jackson, you said the Bills are due to drop one. They did drop one. They lost last week. They should not have won that football game. That was a bogus pass interference call, Complete bogus bailout flag after the play. That was nonsense. They blew a 28-3 lead to the Rams, and they should have lost that football game. Incompletion on fourth down, blow that whistle, the game's over. But they called a P.I., gave him another shot, and they put it in the end zone. I think the Bills did get – they got their mulligan. I don't think they should have won that game, and they did I think they're going to come out. They're going to beat the Raiders, and the Raiders are a good team. I don't think they could stop the Bills. Josh, I looks look too good right now.
0: Eagles in San Francisco. Banged up 49ers team, but obviously well coached. The, the son of Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, doing an unbelievable job there, especially with a team with so many injuries. And this is an Eagles team that since their Super Bowl is just it is not the same, and it appears that they never will be. Carson Wentz. I've given him a lifeline. I keep waiting for him to show up, and he just doesn't. So the 49ers will will handle an Eagles team
1: at West. I'm I'm with you there, and I don't see how the Eagles offensive line can handle the pass rush of San Francisco right now. Listen, we can talk about Carson Wentz all week one. He has been bad, but a lot of it goes on his lack of pass protection. I mean, we saw week one against the Washington football team and we've seen it since then, too. We even saw Cincinnati creating pressure on Carson once at times during that game last week. But I like the 49ers. I like Nate Mullins. I like the way he's been playing lately. And even with the injuries, they get Debo Samuel back this week, which is big for um, for that 49ers offense, which just is so explosive in so many different ways. So I, I like the 49ers even with the missing cast of characters they got. Yeah, I, I'm with you 100% on the 49ers train. I don't think... The Eagles are going to be able to contain anything about the pass rush of the 49ers. I think the 49ers are just going to barge in and do exactly what I think everyone's planning them to do. Carson Wentz has not been playing relatively well. However, like you said, Jackson, it's not all on him. It's what he has around him and the pieces that he's working with. But I think 49ers are going to win this game with ease. I don't think it's going to be particularly close. You know, it's a hard pill to swallow in Philadelphia, but the Philadelphia Eagles are an atrocious football team. They are really bad. Two years running now, I thought they were going to be good. They were supposed to be excellent going into last season. They got a little banged up towards the playoffs, but they were not good. They were just not good. And then this year, again, come out week one against Washington, everybody's got high hopes for their birds, and they just blow it. They lose to the Washington football team. And they're just not good. I, I've been giving them excuses like you have with Carson Wentz and with the whole team for years. They've got a ton of talent, and they're they're just not good. They can't put it together. The Niners, as dilapidated as they are, are still the better football team, way out coach and I think they win this game.
0: Two teams that we haven't mentioned are the Steelers and Titans because they will not be playing this week. Coronavirus cases in Tennessee started with four; two more came along today. So the NFL has post that game. They're, they will make it up at some point, we believe. But for this week, make sure you bench any of your Steelers or Titans that you might have because those two teams will not play. would have been an interesting game if they were, and we'll have a chance to talk about it when it does come along. Let's go to the Monday Night Football game now. Falcons and Packers, um, a Falcons team that is 0-3 but shows a lot of offensive power. And then a Packers team that's 3-0, obviously the same sort of playbook there. This game is tough for me. Um, and, uh, you know, part of me wants to see uh, a Falcons team that upsets. I think it'll be closer than the 7.5-point spread. But I had to take Green Bay here. I, I just think they're too good to, to lose to a Falcons team that obviously cannot play defense.
1: This is the Falcons team that should be doing one. They really should. They had the Cowboys finished and somehow found a way to lose that game. And they had Chicago finish last week and found a way to lose. And this is not a Packers team that gives away many games because of the man at quarterback and Aaron Rodgers. And I think Matt Lafleur's done a terrific job this year, even with the injuries they had last week, missing Devontae Adams. This team just finds ways to score points in so many different ways. And, listen, we've talked about um, – Excuse me, uh, Russell Wilson being the MVP of the league so far. Aaron Rodgers ain't that far behind right now with the way and the football that he's playing. I like the Packers at home. I think they're going to score a ton of points again. This is going to be a shootout at Lambeau, but I I like the Packers in this one probably by a few touchdowns. Yeah, there's no way I can go with Atlanta here just because of the way their defenses are playing. Blew the game to the Bears last week and blew the game the week before to Dallas. And I just don't think they're going to be able to. Contain anything Aaron Rodgers wants to do with any of his pieces he has at wide receivers either. I think it's going to be a really high scoring game, um, but I think Green Bay is going to be able to come out on top, and Aaron Rodgers is going to be just going to be Aaron Rodgers, how he usually plays, and I'm taking Green Bay here at home for sure. I'm going to write you the script of this football game, one that we have all seen before. The Packers are a second half football team, the Falcons are a first half football team, and that's why the Green Bay Packers are going to win. The Packers have trailed in their first three games. They had a big lead to Detroit I mean a big they were a big deficit to Detroit, they had a big deficit to Minnesota, and they had a deficit to the Saints. The Falcons have had double digit leads in the past week for under five minutes and blown both of those games. I think the Falcons are gonna get out to an early lead, the Packers are gonna come back and win the game in the second half. And everybody's seen both of those stories before. The Packers have broke their own team record in points, scored hundred twenty two points in three weeks, they're putting ridiculous numbers on the board and their offense looks just too good. Roger right? is too good, and I got to be back.
0: And that might spell out the difference between an all-time good quarterback, Ed Matt Ryan, and an all-time great, great, legendary quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. That wraps us up for NFL Friday, Week 4 edition. Thank you for joining us as we ran pretty long on you today, but we will see you next week for Week 5 of the podcast. For Dino Golella, Jackson Heil, Mike Messina, I'm Chris Boccia. This is... NFL Friday, enjoy uh, the slate of football this week.